Last week we began this series that we're calling Cultivate. We're looking at the qualities or fruit uh, that God wants to produce in our lives through his Holy Spirit who lives inside of all of us who have given our heart and life to him, who have committed ourselves to following Jesus. Those qualities are mentioned in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Here's what it says. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Last week, we talked about love and kindness, and today we want to talk about joy and peace. I asked people to share on my Facebook page their top three emotions or feelings during this stay-at-home order. And there were only a few hours uh, for people to respond to this before I came in here to record this message. But as of this recording, people were admitting to being uh, or feeling bored or sad or overwhelmed or worried or tired, exhausted, frustrated, lonely, depressed, or anxious. And some did indicate positive emotions. The surprise of loving being at home, and some mentioned feeling hope or anticipation or contentment, gratitude, safety, or just being thankful. But only a few indicated that they were feeling joy and peace in the midst of this. Most who commented didn't mention those emotions, and that isn't surprising. This time of our lives is different than anything that we have ever experienced or lived through. And even the experts are learning and changing their opinions at a fast pace. And that leaves us trying to figure out what to believe and who to trust. And that tends to keep us on the edge. And because of the nature of the pandemic, it has caused some of the things that we normally turn to for comfort during times like this to change also. Many don't feel that they can or should get together face-to-face -face with their family members. And caring for you and our community has caused us not to have face-to-face -face services for the last seven weeks. And it appears that that will go on several more weeks before we begin to phase back into face-to-face -face meetings together. And even the simple comfort of a meal out at our favorite restaurant or an evening out at the movies or at a ball game just can't happen right now. And all of these things make joy and peace emotions that are pretty uncommon right now. And add to that the changes in our relationship and it gets worse. I mean, if you were in a struggling relationship with your spouse or with your parents or your kids before this started, being together at home most likely hasn't helped that. And even though many are thankful for more time with family and loved ones, even some good relationships have been strained by being together 24-7. And parents are now playing the role of teacher to their kids at home and their kids think that their previous teacher was much nicer and the parents the new teachers seem to think that a teacher's lounge away from the kids would be a really good idea right about now 
And we seem to be treating even strangers differently. We seem to treat every stranger as if they are a person infected with the virus who is intent on infecting us. Last Sunday when I was coming here to the landing to hand out uh, communion to people, I stopped on my way at a convenience store for a Diet Coke, as is my habit. As I was coming out, I, I had my mask on and uh, uh, the there was an elderly man coming towards the door. He also had his mask on, but he had a cane and he was struggling some. So as I came out the door, I, I held it open with my back to where he would pass. And I said, go ahead, sir. And he did this. He went, no, no, no. It wasn't just that he didn't want me to hold the door. He seemed sincerely panicked by the fact that he might have to pass that close to me. So even our relationships with strangers has changed. So in the midst of this crisis, where so much has changed, where only a few seem to be experiencing joy and peace, today we wanna to talk about cultivating joy and cultivating peace in our lives. And I guess we should begin by making sure that we have a right understanding of what those qualities are in God's eyes. First, his joy isn't the same as happiness. His joy isn't the same as happiness. We often confuse the two, but they really aren't the same thing. Look at this verse written by Jesus' brother, James. Here's what he says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What kind of instruction is this? Consider it pure joy whenever you face troubles of many kind. What does James mean by that? I confess I am not overjoyed when I face problems in my life. How about you? Does that bring you joy? And if we aren't overjoyed, does that mean that we are being sinful? Does he really mean that we should be happy when we're hurting? Now notice he didn't say feel pure joy or happiness during painful times. He said consider it pure joy. And you might be thinking, Pastor Steve, is there really a difference between considering something pure joy and feeling happy? And my answer is yes. Yes, there is. The difference between happiness and joy is happiness is always dependent on what is happening. You can even hear it in the word, happiness and what is happening seem related to each other. But this quality that the Spirit wants to cultivate in my life is different. I can have real joy even when the things that are happening to me are difficult and painful because joy isn't just a feeling. It's a character trait that Jesus wants to make a part of my lifestyle, a part of who I am. So if I'm going to let Jesus produce joy in my life, how can we begin to consider these things, these tough times that we're going through, pure joy? 
Well, there's a couple of things that we can focus on. First, his joy helps us focus on what he is doing. It helps us focus on what he's doing. Verse 3 tells us our difficult times give us an opportunity to grow. It uh, says that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, which does its work in our life, and we become mature and complete in Jesus. Now, I don't like it either, but suffering is a good teacher. And if we're going to suffer, we might as well allow God to do something in our lives and produce growth in us while we're suffering. And so his joy helps us to focus on what he's doing in our life. Secondly, his joy helps me focus on what he has promised to do. One of the reasons that we can consider it pure joy when we face trials here is because if we have trusted Jesus to save us from our sins and then he's going to save us from our sins and from the problems of this world. When things get really hard, when things get really hurtful and overwhelming here, we just need to remember a pleasant life here on earth is not our end game. It's not our end game. Look at these verses from 1 Peter chapter 1. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. The goal of my life is not having a pleasant, easy life here. The goal of my life is receiving what God has promised, eternal life in heaven with Jesus. And so the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in my life isn't some false happiness that tries to pretend that every problem is really not a problem, that every problem is easy and okay. It's the sense down deep that God will use even the worst times in my life to grow me and to make me stronger in my faith and in my ability to help others. And more than that, it is the confident understanding that no matter how bad things get here, because I've trusted in Jesus to save me, I have the promise of eternal life in heaven with him, in heaven without disease or without death or fear or anxiety or loneliness. So his joy isn't the same as happiness. And in a similar way, his peace isn't the absence of conflict. It isn't the absence of conflict. Most times when we talk about peace, we think about the absence of war, the absence of battle, the absence of conflict. Unfortunately, in the history of the world, peace has been uncommon. In the last 3,400 or so years of recorded history, only 268 years have been free from war. And according to one set of statistics that I read, in the 244 years of our country, we have engaged in some sort of conflict 93% of those years. 93% of our history as a nation, we have been involved in war. The lack of peace isn't because people haven't tried. In that same 3,400-year period of time, over 8,000 peace treaties have been made and have been broken. And when you go beyond wars and you see the relationships of people, you know that conflict and tension have been more common than peace. 
Unfortunately, that tension is a part of human nature. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 3. I'll start with verse 15. These people quickly become violent. Wherever they go, they leave ruin and destruction. They don't know how to live in peace. They don't even fear God. People don't understand what causes conflict, much less what brings peace. But still we long for peace. And when we're living for Jesus, when we're experiencing him the way that he intends, he wants to cultivate peace in us. And as we let his spirit work in us, we are becoming more peaceful. Let me give you three areas where I think we become more peaceful when we let him produce the fruit of peace in our lives. First, we become more peaceful in our heart. In our heart. A big problem for most of us is the turmoil that's going on inside of us. We appear happy and peaceful on the outside, but we're nervous and uptight and full of conflict on the inside. I would guess that many of you walk around with a smile on your face, but turmoil in your heart and in your mind. But look at what Jesus intends for you and for me. From Philippians chapter 4, we read this. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. As we learn to trust Jesus, he keeps our, heart, our hearts and our thoughts quiet and at rest. Now, I don't want that to sound trite. I know the situation that we're in is not easy. I, I'm not minimizing it. I know many families have suffered grief and will suffer grief uh, from losing someone during this virus. I know that many are hurting financially right now because of this virus. I know that some are really struggling with depression and fear and maybe suicidal thoughts as a result of the isolation of this time. And I know many businesses and even some churches will close permanently because of the financial effects of this virus. I know all of this. I've thought about it. I've prayed about it. I've talked about it and I've stressed about it. I've lost sleep over it. But I also know this, God's got this. No, no matter whether it turns out good or bad, God is going to be faithful. Jesus will be here with us and he will help us through it. It's not a fun situation and it may get worse before it gets better, but I know Jesus can handle it. And that quiets my heart. That quiets my thoughts. I trust that because I've seen him work. I've seen him be faithful countless times in my past. So Jesus changes us and uh, so that we can become peaceful in our hearts. Secondly, we become peaceful in our character. Peaceful in our character. This is going to be true of all nine of the qualities that we're talking about during this series. And it's true of joy and peace also. It isn't just that we feel joyful or feel peaceful. It's not that we feel these things. It's that we become these things. Look at what it says in Isaiah 26 verse 3. You, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust you. We aren't talking about fake peace here. We're talking about true peace. Most of us are familiar with the Old Testament word for peace. It is shalom. For Hebrew speakers, shalom 
it has a much richer and fuller significance than our English word peace. Shalom includes far more than just the absence of conflict. Shalom comprises notions of wholeness, completeness, soundness, and prosperity. And the peace that God's Spirit produces in us is this kind of peace. It isn't a temporary feeling, as I indicated. It isn't a feeling at all. It is who we are. We become peace. Peace or shalom becomes part of our character. We become peaceful people. Peaceful in our approach to life. Peaceful in our view of the world. Peaceful towards other people. Which leads us to the next area where Jesus intends us to become more peaceful we become peaceful in our relationships, in our relationships. Look at what Paul writes about peace in Romans chapter 12. He says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace or live at peace with everyone. What does it mean to live at peace with everyone? I think it means we do our best to look for peaceful solutions to the problems that we have with people. I think it means that we avoid arguments rather than seeking them out. And it's not always possible, but we do everything that we can to live at peace with the people around us. Did you know that the Bible says it's a virtue to overlook an offense? So why not decide to stop being so sensitive and just overlook that small slight that you perceived. Can I be honest with you? The people probably didn't mean to hurt your feelings anyway. Or why not just decide to not respond to that person who always seems to be trying to draw you into an argument on social media or around your family holiday tables. But maybe it goes beyond that. Maybe... Living at peace with everyone means that there's someone that you need to patch things up with. You may need to take the first step and talk to them about the problem. You may need to do everything as far as it depends on you to live at peace with them. Now, as we conclude this message today, I want to be sure that you're hearing me. I am not suggesting that you need to feel guilty about your lack of joy or lack of peace in your life or that you have to work hard and put in all sorts of effort to try to change your life to make yourself more peaceful or joyful. Hear me clearly. If you have trusted Jesus for salvation, if you have given your heart and life to him, if you have made him the leader of your life, he has given you his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life is to produce these nine qualities that we're talking about in this series. It isn't you trying hard. It's him working to make those qualities who you are. The truth of the matter is, most of us are clinging to the weeds in our life. The weeds that we have let grow in our life. Weeds like hatred and bitterness and anger and fear. 
And while we're clinging to those weeds in our life, we're resisting the fruit that God wants to produce in our lives. So my suggestion is, instead of trying harder, you just prayerfully say, God, I want you to produce real joy and real peace in my life today. I want you to make peace and joy a part of who I am. I will submit to you as you make me more peaceful and more joyful. And when you allow him to do that, the result will be that you will experience his hope. As you experience his peace and his joy, you will also experience his hope. My prayer as we conclude is a prayer that Paul prayed for the Christians in Rome. It's found in Romans 15 verse 13. Let me pray that prayer for you as we conclude. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, make us people of joy and peace as we trust you, even in the midst of this crisis. In Jesus' name, amen.